but it sounds a little bit cliche. But yes, forgiveness should come quickly to the forgiven. We should forgive one another. something. Do you think you could uh, hold a Bible out at arm's length? Yeah. It's not very heavy. Are you right-handed or left-handed? All right, stand this side then. This side. Give you your left hand. See if you can hold that one. You're good. Right. See if you can hold it out perfectly straight at arm's length. It's not very heavy, is it? All right, give it a rest. Rest. For a little while, that's all right. You're quite athletic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. A little bit. The long I would I would guess the longer you hold on to it, the more uh, it's going to hurt your arm. The more resistance, it's no no no. We're not, we're not finished yet. Uh, the more resistance it's going to get. So j- just to make sure that you hold it perfectly straight, I've brought a spirit level. That's what it's called. A spirit level. That's twice. Right, let's see if you can hold it out at arm's length, okay. this way. How's that? See if you can, let's put you right here. So if it touches the table, no, straight, come right. on. Okay, okay, okay. Straight, so we're, if it, it touches the table, we're going to know. And just to make sure it's straight, I'm going to pop that there as well. Hold that with your other hand for us. Hang on, let's get this up, up, oh, perfect. Don't move. Think you can do five minutes? Yes. Right, good. While he's doing that, we'll make a start. Yeah, well, you said, you're, you said I'm strong, I can do five minutes, it's easy. So while, while, while he's doing this for us, we're, it's the, as Dan said, it's the end of another year, that funny thing of just because the calendar looks different on Sunday, people think it's a fresh start and I'm a new person and it's a new year and it's a new me, but you know. You all right? Good. And I... It is. Yeah, man. Tickle. Uh, you know, and I know in your sensible minds, that Sunday is no different to Saturday. I hate to break that to you. I, I know. Sunday, the 1st of January, is no different to Saturday, the 31st. But people have got this idea that it's a new year, new me, and uh, <laughs> all that stuff. But, so we're not, gonna, we're not doing the new year, new you kind of thing. But it is, as Diane said, it's the last time we're going to gather in 2022. And uh, it's a really nice opportunity. I know you're getting tired. You've got about one more minute left before I'm hoping that you're going to drop it. I'll just pop it there. Uh, <laughs> and so it's a great opportunity for us to evaluate what's come before and to look ahead to what is coming and I want us to think about this really, really important topic of forgiveness. And this is exactly what, oh, that's, that's moving now. Uh, re- this is exactly what Emmy is demonstrating for us by holding the Bible. There is a point to this. It's not just for fun. Uh, the longer he holds on, the more it's going to hurt. The longer we resist and refuse to offer forgiveness, to accept forgiveness, to, to, to step into this process, the longer we hold on, the longer it's going to hurt, the harder it's going to get, it's feeling heavier, it's weighing you down. Oh, <laughs> look at this, right on cue, that says, check. <laughs> you forgive me. <laughs> I, for- I forgive you for dropping it 30 seconds early. But anyway... That's just what Amy's demonstrating. The longer we hold on to stuff, the heavier it's going to get. Things that we can hold on to for one minute, we can't hold on to for five. Uh, and it's the same with 
<laughs> it's the same with forgiveness. So before we really talk about it, we need to know what forgiveness really, really means. And a lot of the time in today's modern uh, day and age, forgiveness is something that can feel a little bit shallow. It can feel a little bit surface level. Have you got, who's got two or more children? Yeah, uh, you're at home, fight, fight, fight. Somebody cries, I'm sorry, I forgive you. We're good. You see, you've heard that before, yeah? It's just what they say to avoid a punishment. I said sorry. He said he forgave me. Well, maybe that's just ours. But anyway, uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit surface level. There's not much depth to what's being discussed. I'm sorry, I forgive you. All right, see you around. Uh, it's very cursory. Uh, and it's good, it's good for you if you forgive like that. And modern psychology is going to tell you that you should offer forgiveness so that you don't feel hurt anymore uh, like this. Uh, forgiveness is something... It's, forgiveness is for you, not anyone else, and it doesn't imply a rebuilding of a relationship. Which is all right, I guess. It's, all, it's fine. And just, just think, who benefits here? In this situation, who benefits the most? We're kind of, yeah, Patrick said the one who forgives. It's the person who's been sinned against, the person who's on the receiving end of the error. Um, I've seen this play out in my life. I've, I'm sure you've seen it play out in yours as well. Somebody says, sorry, please forgive me. You say, yes, of course, because you're all Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, committed Christians. Forgiveness comes quickly to the forgiven, I'm sure is what you say. And then the other person says, great, thanks, I'll see you around. And that's it. They want... They want you to, 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 to tell them they're forgiven to ease their conscience, to ease their mind, and off they pop to carry on. Is that how God forgives us? No. Now's the right time. Yeah. <laughs> that is not how God forgives. So there's a huge difference between how uh, the world will tell you forgiveness works and how God tells us forgiveness works. So we really need to see how God practices forgiveness before we really uh, get into it. And one very good definition of how God forgives that I read this week is this. God's forgiveness is a commitment by the one true God to pardon graciously those who repent and believe so that they are reconciled to him. Although this doesn't eliminate uh, all of the earthly consequences that you might have accrued uh, with your poor choices. So, biblical forgiveness, God's forgiveness, always includes reconciliation, always a restoration of relationship. And if that doesn't happen, it's hard to say that what has, what has happened is, is proper biblical Christian forgiveness. There's no, oh, thanks for forgiving me, I'll, I guess I'll see you around. There's none of that. That's not, that's not what the Bible dis, uh, details as forgiveness. But there's always a reconciling of the relationship. Now, if you think about this, who benefits the most here? The sinner or the sinned against? This is the sinner, the person who has sinned, the person who has erred, benefits the most here because they are restored and they're brought back into right relationship with the one that they've sinned against. In this uh, bigger picture process, uh, God. And so forgiveness 
is good, it's great, please don't get me wrong, but it's part of a much longer, a much wider uh, process. So we're going to unpack this today, God's forgiveness. We're then going to see how it's patterned out for us in Scripture, uh, and then we're going to leave it over to you to end the year forgiven among one another. And I'm, I'm pleased that you've already forgiven me for for doing that. I hope we're still friends. Uh, anyway, so first then, we start with this process right down the end with an accepting of error. The sinner acknowledges that they have sinned in God's definition, in, in, in the true Christian bigger picture process of forgiveness. The sinner acknowledges that they have sinned. They admit that they've treated someone poorly. That might not be directly to their face. They might be talking to somebody else about somebody which is gossip, which is not good at all. We've talked about that before. Uh, so the sinner acknowledges, look, this is wrong, uh, that space has been put into a relationship because of poor choices, sin, bad behavior, however you like to phrase what we read of in here. And something now needs to bridge that gap because of the sin. And maybe this needs a, a brother or a sister to point this out to them. People love to be that guy or that girl going around telling people their sin. But if, if you're going to do that, please do it nicely. Uh, Matthew 18 talks about if your brother sins, go and show him his fault when the two of you are alone. Don't talk to somebody else about it under the, the, the veil of a prayer request. <laughs> talk, if you've got a problem with somebody, talk to them nicely. If your brother or sister sins, uh, go and show them his fault kindly, politely. Uh, when the two of you are alone. Don't involve a third party. Maybe, if you're lucky enough, the person you've got a problem with, they're self-aware enough to know that they've strayed. But however it comes into their conscience, this process of forgiveness and restoration has to start with the one who has sinned, erred, erred, accepting that they have done so. The sinned against uh, in the bigger picture, we're talking about God himself chooses to pardon graciously, uh, offer forgiveness to the one, as we read in that statement, who, who is aware of uh, their sin. They choose not to hold this against you. Uh, forgiving somebody, this process is uh, it's not a magic incantation that we can speak of ourselves to forget that somebody has hurt us. We never, we never read about, it's, it's gone from your mind. Uh, scripture very clearly says that God chooses not to hold it against you anymore. If, if you're omniscient and all-knowing, you can't forget stuff, which takes that forgiveness and that love and that grace to another level because he knows that you've done it, but he's choosing graciously to pardon you, to not hold it against you anymore, because as we said, maybe a couple of weeks ago now, we're in a place, uh, we're in a time where in our relationship with God, we're not buying or earning or demonstrating our righteousness and earning our forgiveness, but for you and for me now, it comes to us uh, via a gracious pardon. And so the offended, the one sinned against, chooses to graciously pardon, to offer forgiveness, but that statement talks about those who repent and believe. Uh, so we need to first add something in uh, here. Uh, repentance is key to forgiveness. Amen? It's an absolutely essential 
irremovable part of the process. If we want true and deep and lasting forgiveness, there has to be an acceptance and then a repentance of it, a confession of it. Uh, when we just try and let it go, just try and rise above, when we try and be the bigger person because somebody has very obviously and clearly upset us or hurt us or sinned against us, where we've been hurt and we've not brought it up with them in love, well, you did this or said this, or you didn't do that, you didn't say that. Well, we, well, we don't have that uh, awkward, let's be honest, uh, difficult conversation where there's no awareness of sin, there's generally going to be no confession or repentance. And Paul kind of unpacks that uh, a little bit deeper in the early parts of his letter to the Romans. And so if we're offended, if we're hurt, if we're sinned against, and we just try and let it go, well, I forgive you anyway. The forgiveness is generally very one-sided. It's a very modern psychology way of, oh, I forgive you, so I'm not going to think about it anymore. But I don't know if you've ever tried that. It doesn't last. Because they've not, this person, whoever they might be, there's no confession, there's no repentance, and you keep coming back to it in your mind because you feel wronged first because they've sinned against you, and then because they won't admit it. And so just trying to let it go, uh, trying to offer forgiveness without that crucial step of repentance and confession, it doesn't really last. And we, we can try really hard. We can do our best to move on past that, that hurt, that sin. But because it was never owned and because it was never accepted or I mean, confessed or repented of, we end up with resentment about it. Like, you really hurt me here. You've, you've, you, uh, you've sinned against me. You've sinned against God in his word. You're like... Why? Why will you just not admit? We, I forgive you anyway. But we're going to keep coming back to that because it was never confessed. It was never repented of. And so just before we move on with this, if that's you, if you're doing your best just to move on and let it go, please don't. Go and say something to the person that you feel has offended you. Because it is very, it's very, very likely that aside from an act of God in the life of this person, which again, we're leaving space for to happen, aside from an act of God in their life, they're not going to magically become aware of the fact that well, like six weeks, two days, and four hours ago, I might have said something or not said something, and it, I guess that probably upset you, so I'm, I'm sorry. They're very likely not going to happen. And so if you don't lovingly uh, bring that up with them, you remove from them the opportunity to confess and to repent, and you withhold yourself, you withhold from yourself, sorry, the opportunity to really and lastingly, properly uh, reconcile that relationship. And you're going to find yourself, like Emmy, holding on to something that's just getting heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And again, just like Emmy, you're going to drop it it's going to hurt you. I was going to do this with a glass of water. I thought that was more like spectacularly visual. But I thought, no, we'll go with the Bible instead and the table. But you're going to drop it. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt the other person. And anybody else caught in the wake of your explosion because you've bottled it up and held onto it so tight you've just dropped it and hurt yourself. So if that's you, if you're just trying to get over something and let it go, please don't. Take what the Bible says about if somebody has upset you or hurt you or you feel wronged, go and have that conversation. It's awkward. It's difficult. <laughs> you don't really want to do it. 
Nobody loves those conversations. But I can tell you now that, again, in almost 10 years here, part of this church, nearly five of them as a pastor, when these conversations happen, whichever side of it you're on, it is awkward and it is difficult. But when they happen along this line, this, uh, through this process, the relationship afterwards is so much better. There is a deeper trust of one another because you, you see you're both doing your best uh, to live, as Scripture says. And honestly, it's never thought about again. It's genuinely moved on from. The only time it might be talked about is as an example of how stuff should go. So if you please, if you're just trying to move on and be the, don't just have that conversation, and you you won't regret it. Uh, so when all of this happens, as it says that it should, we end up here uh, with reconciliation of relationship and uh, a true and deep and lasting restoration. But even though this is very clearly and simply laid out for us in the pages of Scripture, as soon as you put people into it, uh, it's going to get messy. Uh, and it's going to get difficult. And loads of people want to be straight there. The gracious pardon, the forgiveness, uh, to, feel, to feel better about what happened, to alleviate their guilt so they can move on. Uh, but they skip here, confession and repentance, uh, and they're not really bothered about restoration. They want you to say, I forgive you, so they can move on with their, their, their own stuff. And it's, I just don't see that anywhere here. I think generally for people, and sadly, uh, is also true in church, there is an overemphasis on this part, the gracious pardon, the forgiveness, whilst ignoring the rest, which leaves us individually, but leaves us as a community still a bit hurt about what was said or what was done or what was not said, what was not done. And we end up resenting instead of restoring. And that's just not a healthy church. It's not a healthy way for us to be living. So this is how God forgives, how that statement declares uh, that God forgives, and therefore how we should work to forgive one another, how we should seek out forgiveness uh, from one another. So now we're going to lay some scripture on top of it and see how this is patterned out. Uh, So first, accepting that we are in error. How do we see conclusively that we are in error? If we leave it to one another to point it out, there's all different kinds of uh, standards, cultural norms, what was normal for you at home, what you've brought here and added into this big, beautiful mix. Everybody's got their own standard and normal of what is acceptable, what is offensive. Uh, And so if we leave it to one another, it's just It's just going to be so messy if we are bold enough to say to one another, look, you've upset me, you've hurt me, you've sinned against me, I think this is wrong because what's going to be on the end of the because? Uh, It has to be something objective, something that's not uh, you or me in that situation for conversation's sake. We need an objective truth and we need God's truth. And in Matthew chapter 22, uh, Jesus is talking to a bunch of people about uh, resurrection, about life after death, about marriage, about children, and it's all rolled into one. And some of the people in that discussion are in error. And they're saying things that are upsetting or offending uh, one another. And Jesus' point 
is you're in error, you're in sin, you're contradicting what God says because, he says, you're deceived because you don't know the Scriptures or the power of God. So how can we ever truly come to accept that we are objectively in error? It has to be the objective truths of Scripture. Amen? If we're bold enough and brave enough to confront somebody with what we perceive as their sin, it has to line up with what God says is sin. Otherwise, you've elevated yourself as the righteous sin police. Uh, and it never, never plays out well. Never, ever, ever. So it has to be God's self-revelation to us and his word. It has to be the highest authority, uh, the most incontrovertible and objective truth that we want to live by. Uh, scripture also tells us very, very clearly that we must, we've got to own what we've done. We've got to confess it. Uh, we've got to repent of it. Uh, we've got to turn away from it. We've got to evidence that we're doing so which is where the little boy forgiveness falls short. I'm sorry, I forgive you. Okay. And we're gone. We're gone on to the next thing. And this is such an essential part of the process. We've got to own it. If we're found to be on the wrong side of what God says about how we're supposed to be living, we've got to own it. We've got to confess it. It doesn't mean you're a giant failure who's destined for eternal damnation, as the rest of the process makes very clear. But if with properly understood and uh, properly, uh, in all that stuff, we've properly understood what is going on here and we find ourselves on the wrong side of it, of objective truth, we have to be willing to own it, to confess it, yes, I was wrong. And then we've got to repent of it, which is a very, it's quite a Christianese word, isn't it? We don't really use it in life too much. It can sound like a bit of a scary word, but very, very simply, it just means that you prove that you're doing all you can to avoid that same mistake. Jesus said, produce fruit that proves your repentance. Show it. Don't just say, oh man, I'm really sorry. I'll see you around. Prove it. Show it. If you're apologizing and not showing it, it's, 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 a, it's a good start. But it's really hard to accept that it's sincere and scriptural if it's just words and then we separate and go our separate ways. I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it. it's not genuine. It's not coming from a genuine place of, of, uh, of, of apology and, 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 and remorse. But it's easy to say, oh, I'm really sorry. Forgive me. And then just carry on. It's really easy to do that. It's much harder to go away and look at what the root of it was and to prove that you're doing your best to have that not happen again. So it's an absolutely essential part of it. Accept what we've done, confess it, and repent of it. Prove that we're really sorry. And the next part, this gracious pardon, is absolutely... 100% we read in our Bibles, guaranteed. When we accept, when we confess, the, greatest, uh, the gracious pardon, the forgiveness is absolutely guaranteed. There should be no fear 
among us of repenting or confessing our sin to God and to one another because what, what if I lose? We, we're never going to end up on the losing side when we confess our sin to God. The gracious pardon, the forgiveness is absolutely guaranteed. Not knowing if God will forgive us, if I've done enough, earned enough, offered the right sacrifice on the right day, at the right time, in the right way. We're past that. We've just sung about Jesus giving his perfect, sinless, spotless life as a sacrifice that allows us to graciously receive forgiveness. So there's no more uncertainty about, well, what if I accept that I am a sinner? What if I'm doing all I can to, to, to prove that I'm sorry? Will I get the forgiveness? Will I receive the pardon? Yes, we absolutely 100% will. Romans 10 says, with the heart one believes and thus has righteousness, and with the mouth one confesses and thus has salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, who richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. First John says the same thing, slightly different words. If we say we do not bear the guilt of sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But, First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, there, He, God, is faithful and righteous, forgiving us our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. How good is that? It's absolutely crystal clear and concrete. Sure, if we confess our sins, because God is faithful, because Jesus lived a faithful and fruitful life, He is faithful and righteous, and He'll forgive us because we have accepted that we are in error. We have confessed and repented. We have believed that the sacrifice of Jesus was enough. And we do receive that gracious pardon, which then allows us to step into the restoration and the reconciliation, which is just the crowning jewel of biblical Christian forgiveness. So instead of the shame that sin brings when we admit it as we're confessing it, instead of the death that it would bring if we don't accept it and confess it, there is life. Instead of that space and that alienation uh, between God and man, there is a restoring of right relationship, the, the, the God and man dwelling together that we talked about on Christmas Eve. The whole point of Christmas that we talked about on Christmas Eve. And this is only possible for us, the reconciliation, the restoration is only possible for us when we start at this end of the process, when we do it in full. It's not possible to just kind of jump in and, I'm here for some of that forgiveness. I want to be in right relationship while there's unconfessed sin, unrepented of sin, habitual patterned sin in our life. And let me tell you, Scripture is really clear that God wants this for you. Peter writes that God does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, why does he say repentance? Why doesn't he say God wants everybody to come to salvation? Because if all come to repentance, the necessary next step on his part is the gracious pardon and is the restoration and is the salvation. So God wants this for you and he wants you to begin at the right point, not just jump in and claim the forgiveness without the repentance, the confession, the accepting. As Isaiah says, that the best that we can do 
is, I'm trying to choose words, because Isaiah is really graphic in how he describes our best efforts. Uh, just very poor. Maybe that's too British. You look it up, how he describes our best efforts at being good and righteous. And so bigger picture, our forgiveness, sorry, uh, forgiveness, <laughs> our forgiveness is an essential part of our salvation. Uh, when we are forgiven, our sins and our transgressions and the, the eternal consequences of them, again, Scripture is very clear, are just wiped off the record. It's impossible for us to have salvation, to be saved without the forgiveness. It is an essential and irremovable part of the gospel itself. It's a huge part of the gospel. We're forgiven, as, again, as we've just sung about. This gracious pardon, the forgiveness we receive is available to us only because Jesus paid the price that our sin deserves. Amen? Good. So bigger picture, yeah. Here and now, we're not just going to sit around and be a bunch of individually forgiven people, grating up against one another, but it's fine because we're all going to the same destination. Here and now, forgiveness, this whole process, is an essential, essential part of the life of believers and the life of the church. It's not just something that we marvel at and say, wow, that's beautiful. Praise God. It has, to, it has to play itself out among us. Ephesians 4.32 is very, very clear. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And we could definitely overlay that here. If you're going to bring stuff up with people, be kind, be compassionate, speak to somebody who has sinned as a sinner. Don't elevate yourself above be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And it sounds, it sounds a little bit cliche, but yes, forgiveness should come quickly to the forgiven. We should forgive one another. It's something that's expected of us as people who claim Christ, who claim to be a Christian, because to do so, to claim that we're a Christian, declares that we are forgiven. So we have to be forgiving one another. Because to say we're a Christian, but not forgive other people, something's not right. And I love uh, what C.S. Lewis said about forgiveness. Maybe you've heard it before. He said, uh, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Forgive one another, as Paul writes to the Ephesians, because just like, just as, in Christ, through Jesus, God forgave you. Again, so here and now, this is not just something, the, the, it's not just something that we marvel at and say, wow, praise God, I'm forgiven. It has to be something that we practice for, for us to be a healthy, a, a biblical, and a, a thriving, alive church community and it is it's an absolute non it is essential it's non-negotiable I'll get loads the right way around it is essential it is a non-negotiable for people who claim to be Christian and therefore claim to be forgiven we have to be practicing this to be spiritually healthy but it's hard which is another reason why we've got to do it together and so I wanted to make some time for us now 
today for us to think about the year gone by. It's a great opportunity to think about what has gone on in your life and in our life this year in 2022. Uh, If you want to sit and do this for a couple of minutes by yourself, quietly, please do. Uh, If you want to talk to people around you, please do. Uh, Sean's going to play, so nobody else is going to be listening uh, to what you're saying. Uh, But again, Sean's going to play just for a few minutes, and I'd really encourage you to think about this idea of forgiveness, this truth of forgiveness, big picture, but also here and now uh, in your life as well. And there are some suggestions there uh, for some of the things, but big picture, have I confessed my sin? I am a sinner. Have I really, truly received and accepted God's forgiveness? Are you holding on to your sin in your life? Have you received and accepted God's forgiveness? Is there anybody that you feel like you've sinned against this year uh, and from whom you need to ask forgiveness? And is there anybody that you feel like has sinned against you and you've just sat on it stewed over it and tried to hold on to that giant Bible just a little bit too long just trying to move on and in doing so you're, you're hurting yourself because you're getting bitter and bitter and bitter and you've deprived somebody else of the opportunity to accept, to confess, to repent, to be restored so we'll just take a couple of minutes, Sean's going to play uh, if you want to do it quietly, do If you want to, uh, again, if you want to talk to people around you uh, then do and maybe in a two, three, five minutes time we'll come back together 